now we're going to move on to lister questions, which is I'm excited for because I was tired of people not inter uh, asking us questions. So I went out and got some questions, and I just strangled it out of the community. Did not make them up. No, we, we genuinely didn't make them up. Uh, <laughs> so, take us away. Yeah, because if I was going to make up some questions, I wouldn't keep trolling myself like this. So first off, we have uh, Sar Agnes. Why is Hida Kasada the worst? And why did he have to come back? I'll tell you why Hida Kasada is the worst. Because he had one job. Just one job. <laughs> and he completely screwed the pooch on that one. Oh, he hasn't done that yet. He's fine at the moment. Not yet. Sarah's clearly talking about uh, old lore Hida Kasada. You know, as we all know, the crab are... Uh, their duty is to defend the wall from the Shadowlands so they can protect the Empire. So Hida Kasada's like, you know what I should do? I'm going to join forces with the Shadowlands and lead an army of demons on the Empire <laughs> to protect it. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to do that this time around. I think we all know why Kasada's the worst. It's because, you know, you're judging. You forget that he's mandatory. Your opponent forgets that he's mandatory. You play a shitload of cards. And then you have to call someone like Sar over, this is judge, and be like, what, what, do, what do we even do now? And the judge sighs at you, you know, slaps you both on the side of the head and says, you know, play better or something. Um, <laughs> mandatory effects are painful. Remember your cards, I think is the, the lesson yep. I take from that. As to why did you have to come back? Because L5R players, they like they like cards that are powerful. And people, like, he was always powerful. Crab, the crab loved Kasada. <laughs> he's a 7-2. Come on, he's a mountain. Um, you know. Let's just hope he only comes Let's back see. once this time. Instead of... I hope he doesn't come back at all. You know. Go away. <laughs> coming back as a spirit general and doing some evil stuff later on, you know. <laughs> I mean, we we already know that Oushi is like the only halfway decent crab over there, and she and she only makes that uh, uh, that stringent cut line by being not dumb. So I'm not I'm not going to argue with that. Oushi's a much more interesting <laughs> character than a lot of the other crab crab characters. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. You want to read the next one? Go for it. Do I want to read the next one where someone has literally written? Crane Clan, Great Clan, or Greatest Clan? Yeah, what's your opinion of that, Finbar? I mean, if they keep starving with lack of rice, Minor Clan, shortly. Because um, <laughs> they're going to I don't know, Crane Clans are pretty big. <laughs> yeah, but they're also empty and full of famine and starvation and being taken be over fine. by Ronin. Um, it's fine. Mantis, however, have lots of money and food. And bananas. So, you know, Great Clan, Great Clan, Mantis Clan, Great Clan. That's what I think. Mantis Clan is not a Great Clan. Mantis Clan are filthy pirates, and yeah, but, <laughs> they shall but, remain as such. But things change when there's no food to feed your peasants, right? <laughs> things change drastically. There, that's what I mean. I will say this. I'm leaving it at that. I was right. I will say Crane Clan, Greatest Clan, not because of my horrible bias, but I've actually been kind of a complaint on it. I've noticed that Crane tends to be at, like the center of everything that happens at Rokugan. I mean, it kind of fits their their identity of like they're really close to the Emperor I mean, and really good at everything. They're close to everything. Yeah. Uh, but like you go like do a test as you're reading fictions, see how far in a fiction you can go 
before you realize someone mentioned the crane or wants to talk to the crane or is competing against the crane or has the crane at the forefront of their minds. Because they're they show staring up all shit the time. everywhere. They need to just like chill out and be less hungry. Literally I haven't seen a dragon in a story in like three years. <laughs> yeah, I know, but don't remind me, all right? Because we haven't got spoilers either. We're always the forgotten clan, and that's fine. We want to be forgotten until we, you know, <laughs> void fist people. Um, next question. Let's then. see. Uh, all right. This is Eric Schaefer, gentleman from my play group. Uh, as something a little bit more in our purview and stuff. Uh, training tips for preparing for a kotai for new players, players who haven't been to a big event. Uh, how to prepare a deck and what to expect from the long day of the event. Um, okay. So preparing for a kotai. I mean, the obvious answer is the most simple, but like play a lot of games. Uh, find, you have find to a, just a deck you like and you know well, and just keep playing it. Change things you think don't work. Talk a lot to members of your clan who are good at building decks and try and get their thoughts on what changes might work, what's reliable, what they've been testing. Um, you can't skip that process. You need to have a deck that works for you, and it needs to be a solid deck as well. Um, have a plan of what, how you intend to beat every single clan, including yourself, yeah. uh, your own clan. And test it um, as well against players who can play those clans. Yeah, uh, because, you know, some clans you can kind of like, I don't want to be rude, but you you could generally like ignore Lion and some like sometimes your specific clan might have a really strong matchup against another clan and you don't have to worry about those too much. Uh, no, learn those know, enough to know uh, what to watch out for, but you're going to have at least three clans that are like almost a brick wall unless you have a exact game plan like i need to hit one two three of what i need to do in this order and sometimes depending on the matchup it can be so oppressive you only have like a 40 percent win rate but i tell you what 40 percent win rate is a lot better than like a 10 percent win rate you know versus like going in there like i'm gonna like just kind of do what i do because most of the players especially when you get to higher tables they know what your clan and what your deck type generally is going to do and they've prepared to do it so uh if you're not prepared for what they're going to throw at you they're going to wreck you up yeah. um when i go to a code or if i'm online and i'm a crane player i am constantly complaining like crane versus crab is an unwinnable matchup. It's so bad. It's so one-sided. I don't like doing it, and I'm just crying and whining and doing everything all day and stuff. Then I'll go to a Kotai or do a major event, and I've got, like, this massive win weight against crap. And that's only because the players I play against, uh, while they're pretty good players in themselves, they're not as tuned into that matchup as I am. They haven't analyzed it as hard as I am. They don't spend every week going up against Max Williams, who's like a four-time crap Hatamoto, getting their butt kicked. Um, and they don't see the tricks I'm about to do until it's too late. Yeah, so I mean, picking your practice partners is a whole other thing, but usually you're just going to practice against your friends. But try and make sure that they're playing good decks as well so that you're actually getting good testing in like it, it can be hard if your friends like playing jank but maybe having a conversation with them where like two weeks before the kotai you just agree that everyone's going to meet up and you're going to play like the best deck you can even if they're not going just so that you can get good practice i think all of these sorts of things because they all come down to the same thing you need to know what you're playing against the clans you're playing against how you're going to beat them you need to have a deck that works yeah. And then you need to be able to pilot it and have the practice in that that, that that sort of holds you there. 
In terms of the long day at a Kotai, that can be quite tricky. So, I mean, a lot of that comes down to sort of knowing your own body and your own mind Mm. and what you need to keep your mind functioning. So think back if you've ever done like a university test day where you've had like six hours or seven hours of tests, right? And you had a ritual in between each test or whenever you had a break you had snacks that helped keep your mind going and kept you from being hungry you drank a lot of water you know all these things you did just to keep your mind functioning for that second exam Mm. and you know playing Elphavar is kind of that same experience I think you'll agree Trevor it's just it's Mm. so mentally taxing you have to sort of feed your brain and like remember these Kotai are a six to eight to ten hour event i think the kiku matsuri uh went 12 hours straight at the launch event so whenever i go to a tournament i got my large gaming bag i get one of those war bags that are like designed for war games like uh war hordes or whatever and i've got like my deck in there but i've also got uh crackers or bananas some kind of snack uh that can like feed my brain for a while a water bottle or two um, I've got some aspirin for that round, like round <laughs> turn four or round four of the tournament. Your brain's going to start exploding on you and stuff. You're going to be glad you had some aspirins around. Um, yeah, pace yourself, get a good night's sleep the night before and like uh, pace yourself out. Good, a good breakfast. If you have a lunch break. That, so I think the strongest thing is the lunch break, knowing how much food you can like operate mentally at. Um if you have, like, make sure you know when your event, when the lunch break is going to be, and how uh, how long it's going to be, and when you need to be back in your seat. Because uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, miss out on their round after lunch because they weren't very clear on when the lunch break was going to end. Um, and if you if you go in there with buddies and you don't think you're going to admit it, like, get someone to go get you a sandwich, something and stuff. Yeah. Don't miss that lunch break. Because uh, I see a lot of people, and if you go to some Kotais and you go to the uh, high-end tables and you can see people like just start making horrible mistakes. And it's not because they're bad players. It's just um, after several hours of very high-level play, it's very mentally taxing. A lot of things are kind of coming on your brain. And it's very easy. You could start watching some all-star players start playing like garbage and miss completely obvious plays just because their brain is cooked at a certain point. So it's this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, pace yourself. Yeah, so my last thought is play faster right (laughs) it's harder to do but if you've been practicing a lot you can you have to think about the times when you actually need to slow down and think don't play towards the clock play as quickly as you can without making mistakes you'll know when that what speed that is you know don't let your opponent drag out the game if you don't have to if they're taking too much time to think in between sort of when they don't really need to you know um you know never like whenever possible i always try to avoid hitting that clock because every time you hit that clock you're not getting a break before the next round you don't have time to snack up or get water in you know if you're a person who's constantly hitting that timer you need to try and think about your play style and how you can avoid hitting that timer so that you have more downtime in between rounds because you will feel the difference that i play quite quickly my games rounds are usually over somewhere between 30 to 40 minutes i usually have a good 25 minutes to half an hour in between every round right and that makes a huge difference because i go for a walk i get some drink you know i you know all those sorts of things so learn these sorts of rituals you know and you've got to just go with them 
you mentioned about playing time, and real quick, I want to mention an anecdote of, uh, of this really good player that I know. I'm not going to name his name to embarrass him, uh, but he would normally do very well at one of these tournaments, and he had a very middling performance at this one particular tournament. And I asked him, like, what happened? And he said, oh, several of my games were going kind of long. I looked at the clock, realized I only had, like, five or ten minutes left in the final round. I was like, okay, this is probably going to end right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bid one to try to uh, go up on honor, and now I'm playing for points. And he did that two or three times. Every single time he did, he lost the game because now he didn't have enough cards in his hand to uh, defend his provinces. So he ended up getting blown out in the end by trying to play for points. Yeah, so. and you've got to sort of think about that as well. Going to time should be your last resort, not your default option, I think is the main mm. thing. Um, yeah, so lots of thoughts there. I mean, it's a complicated subject. A lot of it comes down to just knowing yourself, what your brain can take, and how to get it back up again. Don't rely on sugar, you know, eat good snacks, you know, nuts, fruit bars, that sort of thing. Use that to drive you through. So the next question. Uh, well, actually, I was going to think we're going to hold off the other questions for. <laughs> yeah. Because Daniel, Daniel questions is a bit like what we already thought. Um, we're already kind of going over and stuff. We will get it back to it again. We could do, we could save some of these for next one because we're going late on time. Yeah, they are a and, bit sort of random as well. <laughs> and, then, and then it's just Sar trolling us again, but we can go into that like later and stuff. So yeah. All right. 